Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is our third Sunday of End Time, Saints Triumphant Sunday. Our order of service will begin by looking at the service of the Word on page 38. We're going to open right now with hymn number 356, You Are the Way Through You Alone. You are the way through you alone can we the Father find. In you, O Christ, has God revealed his heart and will and mind. You are the truth, your word alone true wisdom can impart. You only can inform the mind and purify the heart. You are the life, the empty tomb proclaims your conquering arm. And those who put their trust in you, not death nor hell shall harm. You are the way, the truth, the life, grant us that way to know that truth to keep, that life to win, whose joys eternal flow. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. We have come into the presence of God who created us to love and serve him as his dear children, but we have disobeyed him and deserve only his wrath and punishment. Therefore, let us confess our sins to him and plead for his mercy. Merciful Father in heaven, I am altogether sinful from birth. In countless ways, I have sinned against you and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus, my Savior, I pray, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all your sins. By the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ, he has removed your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. May God give you strength to live according to his will. Amen. In the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are they who take refuge in him. Your word, O oh Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues forever. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are they who take refuge in him. Our Old Testament reading for this third Sunday of End Time, Saints Triumphant Sunday, is from Isaiah 65, 
verses 17 to 25. In this reading, the Lord speaks about the great resurrection at the last day and Oh, what a wonderful thing that will be when there will be no more sin, no more problems or troubles ever again. The Lord said, Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. He who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere youth. He who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the works of their hands. They will not toil in vain or bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. But dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Alleluia. The saints in heaven are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. Alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. These words are written that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Our Gospel reading is from Luke chapter 20, verses 27 to 38, a reading where Jesus addresses the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection as we do. They didn't believe in that, and Jesus talks to them about, well, one of their questions regarding the resurrection. And of course, as he's saying this, he wants us to remember things will be different in heaven. Well, no sin, no problems, and we certainly won't be disappointed. Some of the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and have children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. 
The first one married a woman and died childless. The second and then the third married her. And in the same way, the seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. So then at the resurrection, whose wife will she be? Since the seven were married to since the seven were married to her, Jesus replied, The people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in that age and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they will they can no longer die, for they are like the angels, they are God's children since they are children of the resurrection. But in the, but in the account of the bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living, for to him all are alive. We'll continue now with our next hymn, and that's hymn 492. Hymn 492, Son of God, Eternal Savior. Son of God, Eternal Savior, Source of life and truth and grace, Word made flesh, whose birth among us honors all our human race. You are head, who throned in glory for your own will ever plead. Fill us with your love and pity, heal our wrongs and help our and reign among us, King of love and Prince of peace. Hush the storm of strife and passion, bid its cruel discord cease. By your patient years of toiling, by your silent hours of pain, Quench our fevered thirst for pleasure, stem our selfish greed for gain. Bind us all as one together in your church's sacred fold. Weak and healthy, poor and wealthy, sad and joyful, young and old. Is there want or pain or sorrow? Make us all the burden share. Are their spirits crushed and broken? Teach us, Lord, to soothe their care. As you, Lord, have lived for others, so may we for others live. Freely have your gifts been granted, freely may your servants give. Your 
silver, yours the wealth of land and sea. We but stewards of your bounty held in solemn trust will be. The grace and love of our Lord and Savior be with us always. Amen. The Word of God we want to consider this Saints Triumphant Sunday is our epistle reading from 2 Thessalonians, the end of chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 13 through chapter 3, verse 5. The Apostle Paul wrote, But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not everyone has faith, but the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who are our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, in our gospel reading three weeks ago, we heard about this lawyer that came to Jesus, well, with a very important question, a very important question for him, a very important question for us to think about as well. He asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's an important question, but the lawyer, he mistakenly thought that there was something that he could do to make himself worthy of eternal life. Well, Jesus played along with his question a little bit because he was going to teach him. And what Jesus did is he pointed to him, to the two great commandments, to the two golden rules as they're called, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second great commandment, love your neighbor as you love yourself. When Jesus referred to that, then the, the lawyer responded by asking, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus used that question as his 
introduction into telling the parable of the Good Samaritan. And if you remember the parable, well, there was a Jewish man who was heading from Jerusalem to Jericho. And as he was heading that way, he was robbed, stripped, and left to die. And as he was there left to die, there happened to be a priest and a Levite, and they're both involved in temple work, but they both ended up passing by the dying man. That's not what you'd expect. But then there was a Samaritan, and remember there was a tremendous hostility that existed between Samaritans and Jews, neither really liked the other, but there was that tremendous hostility between them and you wouldn't expect this Samaritan to be giving him the time of day, but what happens is he stopped, he bandaged his wounds, he put him on his donkey, he took him to an inn and paid for the inn and, and had the innkeeper take care of the man who had almost died and said that when he'd come back, he'd pay for whatever, whatever was still owed to the innkeeper for the care of this man who had been left to die as he was. Well, after telling the story, then Jesus asked the lawyer, which of these three men was a neighbor to the one who was robbed? The lawyer responded, the one who had mercy on him. Because of the hostility toward Samaritans, he didn't want to say the Samaritan. He didn't want to make the Samaritan look good or appear to be good. Well, Jesus then said, go and do likewise. Jesus wanted to show that lawyer that his neighbors weren't just those people who lived closely around him in his neighborhood that anyone who needed his help, that really was his neighbor. And therefore, this lawyer, who, who thought he had done a real good job of following God's laws, who thought he had, was on the way to doing what was necessary to inherit eternal life, Jesus was revealing to him that he hadn't done as good a job of loving his neighbor as he thought. The lawyer, like all of us, was a sinner who couldn't earn his way to heaven. This parable taught that lawyer, and it was a crushing blow for him, it taught him that he could be a better neighbor. It, it teaches us that we could be better neighbors in this life as well. Well, today in our reading, in this writing to the Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul is teaching us to be better neighbors. As he tells all of us, our God-given responsibilities to others, our God-given responsibilities to others, which includes which, well, God wants us to know, includes that we be thankful for our fellow Christians, 
that we ask God to encourage and strengthen them, and then also that we pray for the spread of the gospel so that more and more people in the world can get the help that they really need in this life. Just prior to our reading, the Apostle Paul had warned the Thessalonians he warned them to watch out for false teachers who were trying to convince them that they could do something to earn their way to heaven. Oh, kind of like that lawyer was thinking, of course. And the fact of the matter is, is that we also need that warning because that same false teaching is such a great threat to Christianity today. It's such a great threat to Christianity today. All non-Christian religions that believe in a, a life after death, they teach that a person has to earn his way to heaven. He has to do something. And, well, this same teaching in the form of humanism, we could say it's creeping and even bulldozing into so-called Christian churches so that even people who are Christians are being taught that they need to do things in order to earn their way to heaven. They're being taught over and over again, you need to try to do your best, and if you do your best, then you're surely going to be acceptable to God. But the fact is, is that we know from Scripture that our best efforts, they still fall short of what God wants because if we were to earn our way to heaven, we would have to be completely perfect, completely without sin if we were to be acceptable to God. So it's only by God's grace through faith in what Christ has done for us that we actually gain access to heaven. Because false teachers are still tempting us to, to think that we can earn our way to heaven, to think that by being the best people that we can be, that we can gain heaven. Well, what Paul does here is he expresses his thankfulness to God for fellow Christians, for people who would believe the same thing, who wouldn't be trying to lead us astray. Well, Paul says, But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Before God created the heavens and the earth, what God did is he chose us to be a part of his believing family. And he didn't choose us because he thought or knew that we would deserve heaven because that's something we couldn't do anyway. He knows that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and that we deserve the wages of sin, which is death, eternal separation from God and from all of his blessings in hell. He chose us just simply because he's gracious and loving. 
just because he's gracious and loving and because he's gracious and loving not because we deserved it not because we earned it but because he's gracious and loving he sent his son into this world to live and die for us to pay for our sins and he sends the holy spirit working through the word working through the gospel to call us to faith and make us believing children of god to make us believers to build us up in the faith to keep us in the faith so that he can take us to heaven to share in the glories of heaven in the glories of heaven which our savior has reclaimed since he has accomplished his work for us with his life and death and resurrection oh we too will want to be so thankful for our fellow christians through throughout the world and well, perhaps especially for those fellow Christians who would worship with us for the help and the support that they can give us. And, and the key word there really is that word can. For the help and support that our fellow Christians can give us and the help and support that we can give to those fellow Christians, our, our fellow Christians, what they can do is they can give us such help and support and of course what we'll also want to do is give them the help and support whatever help and support that we can as we continue to live in this sinful world you know we belong to a Christian family so don't we want to act like a family is supposed to and when I say that like a family is supposed to not like a lot of Modern families maybe do operate, but don't we want to operate like a family is supposed to operate in that we love and care for one another, that we encourage and support one another because we all really need that. If we don't show love and care and concern for one another, for our fellow Christians, we could be in for some tough times in this life, such as what the prophet Elijah went through during his lifetime, during his ministry. At the, at the lowest point in his ministry, he felt as if he was all alone in his battle, his fight against idolatry. He thought that there was no one else left and he was ready to just absolutely give up because he didn't have the help and support from fellow Christians. But the Lord told him then that there were 7,000 believers left in Israel. And now just think about that, 7,000 believers. If those 7,000 had all been thankful for their fellow Christians and had given their fellow Christians' encouragement and help and support, well, who knows what could have happened in Israel. Well, Elijah, for example, he wouldn't have had to feel so depressed with great zeal and enthusiasm. He could, could have kept on working for the Lord. And the same thing is also true for, for us today today for our congregation, for our campus ministry. Well, 
we obviously don't have 7,000 believers in our church, but when we all help and support one another, God can and will do amazing things through us. So let's be, let's be thankful to God for our fellow Christians and enthusiastically support one another and do we all we can to work together to serve our Lord. Paul told the Thessalonians, so then brothers stand firm and hold to the teaching we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. Paul's teachings, we need to understand first and foremost, they were Christ's teachings, not his own. And because of that, when Paul said this, maybe he was thinking of Jesus' words when Jesus had said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's important that we hold on to the teachings of scripture, to all the teachings of the scriptures, because they and only they, as the apostle Paul says, are able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. But now what we can notice here is that what Paul does is he not only encourages them to stand firm in the faith, he also asks God to encourage and strengthen his fellow Christians. Paul wrote, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Paul made this request with confidence, with confidence as he said that, that God, the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. So like Paul, let's pray confidently for the Lord to strengthen and encourage our fellow Christians and, and trust in him to actually do that, to encourage and strengthen our fellow Christians. When Commander Scott Carpenter returned from his space travels, what happened is that the highest officials in the land honored him with a special ceremony. And, and when that ceremony was going on in the middle of the ceremony, Scott Carpenter's five-year-old daughter, Candace, Candace, she tugged on her dad's sleeve and she wanted to show her dad this scratch that she had gotten on her elbow while he was gone for his space travels. So what did the commander do? I suppose there could have been the temptation to say, get out of here, kid, you bug me. But he didn't do that. Instead, he turned away from the ceremony and gave his full attention to his daughter that scratch was important to her and therefore it was important to him as well. 
And now that parable is a good one to consider when we think of God's relationship with us, his sons and daughters through faith in Christ Jesus. When we go to our Heavenly Father, the creator of the universe of all things, he's going to turn his attention to us. As Candace wasn't afraid to go to her father, even at that special ceremony, well, so let's not be afraid to ask our Heavenly Father well, to encourage and strengthen us and to encourage and strengthen our fellow Christians and trust that he's going to hear us just as Scott Carpenter listened to his little daughter. But now Paul didn't just pray for his fellow Christians. He also prayed for and encouraged the Thessalonians to pray for those who did not yet know Christ. Paul said, finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. When Paul wrote this letter. He was actually doing mission work in Corinth. So his prayer at that particular time was that the spread of the gospel there and also throughout the world would be just as successful as the spread of the gospel had been there in Thessalonica. And now since James writes, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Well, let's also pray for the spread of the gospel and watch God do some amazing things in response to our prayers. But let's not just pray. A story that I always like to tell in this regard talks about this preacher who was on a a trip across the Atlantic and on board the vessel in which he was traveling, a fire broke out and they got their bucket brigade going to get water to try to extinguish the fire. And as they were working to extinguish the fire, a, a friend of that preacher said to him, let's go up to the other end of the ship and pray. And the preacher's response, no, sir, we'll stand right here and pass buckets and pray hard all the time we are doing so. And the point of that story, prayer and actions go together. So let's pray for the spread of the gospel. And as we pray for the spread of the gospel, let's really be looking for people with whom we can share the gospel. And then let's actually share the gospel with them. Tell them about the Savior who lived and died for them and paid for all of their sins and won heaven for them. Let's do all that we can to be involved in supporting the spread of the gospel personally. We're doing it ourselves and then also with our offerings through our congregation, through our church body, so that, well, we are going out into all the world with the gospel message. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus tells us here that 
everyone who needs our help, who could use our help, is a neighbor, and he wants us to love them as we love ourselves. In so doing, what we'll want to do is always be thankful for fellow Christians. We'll always want to be asking God to encourage and strengthen our fellow Christians and, and we'll always want to be praying God for the spread of the gospel as we consider our God-given responsibilities to others. Well, let's ask God to help us always to be better neighbors. We're never going to be perfect neighbors, but we'll ask God to help us so that we'd always be growing, be better neighbors who are concerned, well, more and more concerned about not only our neighbor's physical well-being, but especially concerned about their eternal souls. Wanting them to not like us to see our sin, but to see our Savior and know that heaven is ours because of our Savior. And, and well, we're saints triumphant now through the blood of Christ and we're on the winning side with Jesus through faith in him and, and we're going to be on that winning side forever through faith in him. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. And let's confess our faith today with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And let's pray. Almighty God and Savior, you have set the final day and hour when we shall be delivered from this world of sin and death. Keep us ever watchful for the coming of your Son, that we may sit with him and all your holy ones at the marriage feast in heaven. We pray through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Oh, and last week we did pray thinking of the elections and and as we think of the elections, the voting that was done in our country, well, let's pray. Lord God, please 
well, be with and bless those who have been elected to serve in offices in our country. But as we ask you to be with them and bless them, we ask you to please especially keep on working on their hearts so that instead of following their own desires in some respects, that they would follow your desires and follow your will. We know that decisions were made in our country which are contrary to your will. Please keep on working so that your will will be done. And we especially think here about, oh, your will with regard to those who are in the womb. Lord God, please protect them. Please be with them. Please bless them. And please bless all of us in our time of grace. This lifetime, it's something that is so important. Help us to value life and to see it as our time of grace, our time to, to learn about our Savior, to grow in your grace and love, and, and to share our Savior. And we gather up all of our other prayers today as we join in praying. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. And we'll join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above, from the mountains to the prairies, to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. joining me for worship today. Just a couple of a quick announcements to share with you. No birthdays or anniversaries that I'm aware of in the congregation this week. Please let me know if I'm mistaken. Well, we would share with you that OR on Wednesday this week, I'm planning on heading over to Wisconsin looking for an opportunity to see my dad a little bit again. But because of that, we won't have Wednesday worship. Uh, the plan right now is to have a worship service here on Monday night at 6.30 and would appreciate it if you are interested in that, if you'd let me know that you would be attending. But that's this week and the next week, 
Well, that's Thanksgiving already, and on Wednesday night of next week, that's the 23rd of November, we will at 6.30 have a Thanksgiving Eve service here. Hope you will plan to join us for that because, well, we don't want to just be thankful at Thanksgiving time. We want to say thank you to God, the one who gives us all things. Oh, I told you I'm going to see my dad. He seems to be doing a little bit better. It's still not getting great, but he is great in the Lord, of course. And we continue to keep in our prayers. Paula, she's got some issues, continues to have issues with the infection in her legs. Please keep her, keep all of the people in our prayer list in your prayers. Again, thank you for joining me for worship. The Lord bless and keep you always. Amen.